to the podcast of two guys sitting in a bedroom trying to come up with creative ideas for an intro. <laughs> if you're wondering what we do here at the Overthinkers, <laughs> just think about it. <laughs> oh gosh, that was horrible. That was horrible. Why does that exist? What have you brought upon us? I apologize to all of our listeners. All right, everyone. Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is the Overthinkers, and if you're wondering what we do on this podcast, just think about it. <laughs> there we go. All right, what did you have in store for us today? Well, um, you know, a couple of days ago, I got myself a turntable. A turntable. A turntable, and uh, you can play vinyl records on it, where you you put. The oh, has anyone? Have any of our listeners heard of those? <laughs> I'm not. I think I need to go in depth as to what a turntable is. It's a circular it's those platter. You see the DJs in the '70s music videos using. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I, I got, I got... It's a platter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm about to be DJing it up in my room. With my oh gosh, table. I can see you doing that just one day. Like, you know what? That's it. I'm doing this, and then your mom walks. In, I think like... just like DJing alone by yourself was like the saddest thing ever. Just like playing up tempo like... party music. There's no one else there. It's like, it's like, yo, it's it's your boy. It's your boy. Um, what's a good rapper name for you? Um, uh, let's see. Uh, no, wait, I got it. Uh, Lil Money. Lil Money. Yeah. Ooh. No, that's mine. That's actually mine. I, I got a sound. I'm just kidding. I don't have a sound. Loud. I, I feel like will. I should make a play on like an academic term, and like you, you like you replace like the acronym with uh, with like, Pythagorean. But it's like p- p- Pythagorean. E E N instead of like E A N. That'd be like your rapper name. I was thinking like GPA, but like you come up with like a different like like uh word for G and P and A. No. <laughs> like greatest greatest person alive. alive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <thank you. laughs> that is my new rapper name, GPA. <laughs> But then again, I feel like it's a good rapper name. It hits on all the notes. Traditional rapper. Person alive. No, if you want to be successful these days, you gotta have Lil in your name, and you gotta rap like, "Oh yeah, got my money in the pocket." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like, "Oh yeah, going to a club, money." Yeah. So uh, I can Lambo be... is sponsored by Rolex. It's I... like that's how you make money these days. I can be little GPA. How about that? Little, little GPA. <laughs> So you're just the little greatest person alive, not like the real greatest person alive. Just the little version. Yeah. Like, like I, mean, I wonder who's the biggest GPA Junior. Alive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What? Yeah. No, the, the, that'll be like your your protege rapper. But like, <laughs> do rappers have proteges? I think so. I think so. No, they do. don't. <laughs> Why did I ask that question? I knew the answer. It's no. I'd actually oh, be quite. I, I'd want to be a rapper's protege. That's a beautiful place. No, you wouldn't. You yeah, just, I would. You, you just be like, sit down and look around the room and just start rapping based on the money you see. <laughs> and then, like, you start okay, okay. rapping, right? As much as I think we make fun of, like, mumble rap, I think there is actual, like, skill. That Wait, haven't we gone over mumble rap I think on we've the gone show over before? This before yeah. I think my frustrations with mumble rap being that really... Wait, was that after last after the show last time that we went over that? I don't remember. Yeah. Because I all I know is that, just to review, I was saying that I feel like the... No, I think it was after the show, right? Yeah, yeah. The people that make the beats of the mumble rappers get most of the credit for having a, a fire beat, right? I did that in quotes, by the way. Don't cringe. That's just a real terminology. 
Not social ignorance this time. No. <laughs> <laughs> what I was, but I'm trying to feel like they, they, you know, they lay down like a beat to rap on. Yeah. But the beat is what people are there for, not for the actual rapping. Huh. And when you think about it, it's a it's a recursive cycle. You give these rappers money to rap about the money they make rapping, <laughs> <laughs> okay, which well, you then pay more money for. Okay. Um, That's like an endless cycle of success right there. Here's my thing, right? I think that. In the age of the internet and social media, when you engage in some sort of art, right? Whether it be watching a movie or listening to music. Watching a movie is art? I think a movie is art. No. Oh, no, no. I think I mixed up what you're saying. When you engage with it, not not when you do it. I'm I'm talking about the act of engaging with art in the 21st century. Yeah, okay. I got got you. I think the the, the act of engaging with art for our generation is totally different from how you would engage with art in previous generations. Because I think that, for example, if I were to go and watch a movie, I would watch the movie and the movie would be all of my exposure to the actor in the movie. Okay. But now there's almost oh, uh, this yeah, pressure yeah, at. to follow like Tom Hanks or whatever after oh, like you watch Instagram the movie or like on, on social, like, media. social media kind of thing. But I since what you're the news cycle has changed so dramatically, you're constantly up to date as to like Tom Hanks. Just oh yeah, got, the news cycle. There yeah. is no news cycle. Right. It's not a cycle. It's just always happening. It's right. the news flow. And so in a way. I think that, that... You know, we need, to term, we need to coin that. News flow. It's not a yeah. news cycle. It's a news flow. Right, and I think that that's especially true for music. If, where... any, if any journalists out there use that term, credit us, please. Because <laughs> <You know, I laughs> if they watch this show, <laughs> I was just gonna say, I think when you're listening oh. to when you're, when you're listening to music, I think that when you like listen to a rapper, like a mumble rapper, yeah, you're not just buying, I guess, that immediate sound, but you're also buying into their personality, into their all right, persona. All right. That's always been and kind of how I, it's been, I, more and, so now than ever. But. Right, and I give these mumble rappers a lot of credit for being able to cultivate that persona of whether it be this I'm this rich famous guy or you okay. know GPA like I'm just like academic yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, but that, I think, that'd, be, that'd be pretty hilarious as a parody <laughs> rapper. But I would do that. I, I think just, you once said we should form a rap channel just as a joke. <laughs> GPA. I'd have to come up with something. It's like GPA and like. What's another academic, like, acronym? Well, like, you can be a little, and I can be GPA, and then together we little GPA. No, I'm not just a little. <laughs> That's already taken, like, six times, <laughs> probably. No, because I have to be something like... Hmm. No, but, um, yeah, I think that criticizing mumble rappers today is, like, criticizing a lot of artists of the Motown era. Because I think a lot of artists then no, were just... They... Like, I don't think, like, a lot of artists, like, coming out of the Motown era had, like... Uh, or I'm I'm not dissing like all Motown art. Like I think there's some fantastic Motown artists. I'm just saying that I think that there are a lot of artists. Okay, forget the Motown era. Let's talk about like K-pop specifically. What? I think. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I think you just went from. I'm not even ran out of examples in Motown. We're like, wait, K-pop works. What I'm saying is that like so many like pop artists today have talent, but like they're all everything they do is like done by the label, and all they have to do is like put a couple words on top of it. And I think that the rest of it is the ability to market themselves to well, sure. an audience. Sure, sure. I think that that... And that's more than ever now. I see what you're saying. It's compared to before. Yeah. Right. I, I see what you're getting at there. It's really about the persona that you're, like, portraying. I think when you're when you're an artist, I, I, you're I not just of, selling your art, you're selling yourself. And see, that's... Maybe that's part of my other issue. Is that we shouldn't be looking up to some of these personas at all. Right, right. right. Little pump. Well, I mean, what? I mean, here's here's my thing, right? Here's my thing. 
One of my favorite oh my. movies of all time is Inglorious Bastards. I have not watched it. I but um the pro- not a, not a Nazis now. <laughs> the person who produces who produced that movie, sorry, was um Harvey Weinstein. Oh uh, great. No, I'm not I, I feel morally conflicted. But because... I feel like you cannot say I don't like a movie because I don't like the producer. I you feel like to, the, but the, but that's the, a discredit the producer, to the actors and the writers I and everybody else. I involved. understand that, but I still feel like the producer is an integral part of the movie. Well, okay, I think it's the what producer exactly, and the director that now, really are the two biggest actors. Cinema here. What exactly is the role of the producer and all? But I know the director manages most of the acting. The actors do the acting. The writers Actually, write the lines of the acting. But like, what? I know producers have a big part in bankrolling it, especially executive producers have a large part in bankrolling it, but what is I guess a, a producer a producer is a person, company, or country that makes Chris. <laughs> no, a, but that's too that's too general. Oh, so it's the financial and managerial aspect exactly. of the movie or So broadcast. he, you, if you enjoy the movie, chances are that's not even like Weinstein's deal. He did not help you enjoy that movie except to fund it. And yeah, but like I feel make like it flow better in production. But I but, feel like even if he was funding it, there's still like a moral issue there. I don't know. I see. I see what you're getting at. I really do see what you're getting at. Here. Okay. See, I think it's more blatant. Where like I refuse to listen to artists who have um, like uh, uh, a past to them, which involves like criminal convictions and like they have like sexually abused then you women. Must not, and, like, like, then I don't listen to a lot of people. I, th- I think that there are a lot of unfortunately like... a lot of artists, and not, not a lot. I won't say a lot, but there are, there is a good portion of artists. That come out of some harsh backgrounds, you know? I know? I'm not saying that I'm not willing to listen to an artist that comes out of a harsh background. I think coming out of a harsh background adds a sense of, like... like well, adds, not that adds, kind of harsh. I mean, like, harsh as in they've done harsh things. I, I take issue with artists who have... I, okay, let me rephrase this. I, I won't listen to artists with criminal convictions. I listen to artists with criminal convictions. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Although criminal convictions are a bad thing. Yes, we don't want to send the wrong message here. I guess what I'm trying to say is that if an art, if an artist has engaged in behavior that is ethically disgusting or morally repugnant and repugnant that is a word i've not heard lately i'll give you that <laughs> and refuse to make any sort of reparations i will not listen to that artist but see I, I i hate to call out people on this show but let's focus on a rapper named lil pump for a second yeah Let's focus on a song of his that is rather infamous, Gucci Gang. <laughs> if you look past all the Gucciing and ganging that he does in this song, <laughs> it is about him selling drugs and doing drugs so what's with wrong? his grandmother, what's apparently. Wrong? I don't know. <laughs> but And what's wrong with that? You just said you won't listen to artists that do morally repugnant things. I, He's distributing dangerous substances I don't think that to being, people. I, I, I just don't see... No, it's no I, secret. I, I think okay. Snoop Dogg, you know, he he does some drugs. Snoop okay, well, I do revelation. <laughs> it's, that's not a secret to I, anyone. I, I don't understand. But I feel like I don't understand why you conceptualize like drug dealing or just the nature of drugs as like I agree. There's obviously like a massive like addiction problem yeah, in this country. More, but I think that like it's more I guess issue that I guess there is a culture surrounding intoxicating materials that. Can well, sometimes be negative. Here's in my issue with him doing that. Here he here's here's my kind of moral issue with him. Here he is making money, rapping about all of his illegal activities, and 
not only this, I don't know, I find drug dealing particularly morally, and, and you know, it's, it's everything kind of has a gray area to it, to a degree. But the reason I find drug dealing to be particularly um, abhorrent, right, is that it's basically, um, it's bad for everyone involved, really. I don't know if that's true, because, okay, here's what I'm, here, here, here's what I think. Two things, right? First of all, I think just approaching the idea of drug dealing, I think it's highly conditional on the drugs that you're dealing. Exactly. I think but, if well, you're if you dealing out heroin you, or something like that, exactly. it's obviously has a negative impact on like, society. But if you're just dealing in, like, marijuana or... Marijuana isn't even illegal in some places. Not I, that I know, we're condoning but, it. Just want to put it out there. Anyone listening, we are not condoning marijuana. We are simply why? stating a legal fact. Why are you hesitant to condone marijuana? Dude, we're two high schoolers sitting in, <laughs> sitting in a bedroom talking to a bubble mic. <laughs> okay, but then my second thing was that I think that I like a way that a lot of artists approach drug dealing, which is a way of economic sustenance when there is no other means of economic sustenance. But that's the issue. And I think I that... I think we're reinforcing this idea that drug dealing is a way to make money. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that are ways to make money, but I don't think... I don't know. But it I think when you, but I think people... when you, but I think that it's saying that drug dealing is morally repugnant is morally repugnant in and of itself what? because it kind of ignores that I don't think people consciously want to be drug dealers, but they're forced into that situation because of their well, economic let background. Let me go back to my like obviously like I I pump here. yeah he here's the issue. All right, I understand that everybody has their issues, right? Um. I mean, there's a lot of people in poverty, and I know that that's where a lot of drugs get their start, is in poverty, right? Both by people using them because they want... But those that deal it are in poverty, and therefore, they... Data as to, like, which people use drugs. Well, sure, I, a lot of rich people do, too, because they can afford actually, it. But like I'm that's not talking about marijuana here. I'm talking about, like, well, I, I, dangerous I, I, I know that... Perhaps that's unfair of me to say. Yeah. But it is no... There's no question that poverty... Is one of the scenes where drug usage and dealing drug sure. stuff emerges, right? right? We were talking, man, we opened it. Like, what the heck is wrong with us? Okay, point, case in point, I was frustrated with, with Lil Pump and other rappers that brag about their dealing of drugs on a tangent. Oh my gosh. Okay. I think that for artists like that, I refuse to engage in there. And I think Little Pump actually had <laughs> like five Listen, seconds of silence. OJ Simpson could be an incredible show person. It doesn't... And, and besides your opinion on OJ Simpson, right? Whether or not he did or did not commit. The criminal court, he was not convicted because one of the jurors was not certain and he had to have a majority. What I'm trying to get at is that anyone can be a good show person. Right. Well, then we'll give OJ credit. Be good show people, and is it right or is it wrong? Uh, well, okay. Well, that's a statement in front of me, right? Which is uh, like, sorry, I'm bringing darn your podcast ignorance, AJ. Darn it, darn it, darn. <laughs> Question is, do we back them up on it? Yeah. I mean, if it's never mind. Mind. How far are we into this? In the... Oh no! Put in your password. I feel like there's going to be ten minutes of silence in the episode. Just fifteen minutes already. How about we get on to the topic at hand? I guess what we've I... come to a rough consensus. Well, I guess what I wanted to talk about is the appeal of older. I guess I was talking about my turntable. Fifteen minutes in turntable already. <laughs> You're saying why does the turntable appeal to people? Because obviously it takes up space. It's far more expensive. That's why it's appealing. No, I'm no, saying. I'm just I, I, oh, yeah. I'm just <laughs> 
It's uh, why it wouldn't be appealing. Right. It takes up space. And it's 20 logical individuals. Far more expensive. Uh, it's less supported than right. even CD players, higher, which them themselves are facing out in favor of digital. Has a higher maintenance cost. Of course. Um, generally, feel like a boss is harder to that. operate. You're just like, oh yeah, I'm spinning a record, let's go. But I think that there is something beautiful about taking a record, putting it on a turntable, and listening to it. I think that there is something beautiful about that. Because when you're listening to it's the same reason that you get way more excited when you hear a favorite song on the radio yeah. than when you just listen to but it that's different. by yourself. Well, because when, you when you listen to your favorite song... Oh, dear. You're bringing me to some thoughts that I've had but never expanded on. I like this. Here we go. See, the idea is when you hear your song, favorite song on the radio, it's a surprise. It's a pleasant surprise. You're yeah. not expected. It's kind of like when you scratch your back, it doesn't feel as good as when someone else scratches your back. <laughs> Because your body is right. primed to know that how you're going to scratch. There have actually been studies that show that when someone else makes a sandwich for you, the sandwich tastes so much better than when you make it for yourself. Wait, like you, you get more pleasure what? from that. Wait, there's studies on this. What if some guy just didn't like the sandwich you like, <laughs> made for himself? You're like, like, I don't, I don't see the point. You know what I'm saying? I don't see yeah. the, um, I don't see how you can like scientifically study that. Right. But I see what you're saying. But you're saying that. But what does that have to do with whether you're playing your favorite song? From a laptop or from a record player, right? It okay, doesn't change I, that you are doing. You are still playing the song. I don't think that's true. I think it's a spectrum of I'm gonna play this song right now on Spotify to I'm gonna hear this song while I'm in the car on the radio. I think it's a spectrum from one end to the other end, and I think leaning towards the side of hearing the song on the radio is the action of taking a record, putting it down. Closing the cover, putting the needle on the record, I think that the act of doing that forces you to listen to an entire album with not interfering with anything else. And I think that if my favorite song is three or four songs down in the album, that feeling that I get when the song comes on it's is like, not whoa. really. Yeah, I know. It, there, there is a I little say, bit of a. Um, my um, uh, my dad got a record player for Christmas. Yeah. One year, and yeah. it exposed me to a lot of old music. And I, I like that old music. And I'll say something. It is better to listen to on a record player. And I think part of that, if you have original records, is knowing that that is exactly how the song was heard by people when the song first came out, right? No digital remasters, no speakers messing with your stuff. It is exactly how it was heard then, now, if you have right. the original record. There's right. no remasters. There's no, like... Well, I feel like you can listen to unremastered music digitally. Fair enough, but it's still... It's, it's exactly how it was done before. Right. It's kind of like... Handmade anything. Yeah. When you get a handmade anything, right? You know, like artisan crafted this or that. When you could literally just get it like manufactured, right? It's this idea that you're getting it the way it's supposed to be. I say that in quotes because it's not supposed to be anyway, right? But like the way it's supposed to be, the way it has always been done in a right. traditional sense. Right. It's this kind of a return to pseudo traditional values. What do you mean by pseudo traditional values? Okay, not values. That was the wrong term. Yeah. It's the return to pseudo-traditional methods. That's what I should have said. Okay. Values is kind of yeah. kind, kind of too overarching. Yeah, I guess what I've been interested in is a move towards simplicity and a move towards minimalism. This is kind of what I was getting at. <sighs> I guess what I was trying supposed to... supposed to get this topic if we ran out of other topics. I guess I'm still that... going on the other end No, that. I guess what I was 
I, but I think that this is like intertwined. Right, bring it up. I find this interesting. I, I think that this is intertwined with the entire reason I got a record player in the first place. Minimalism, which is not necessarily minimalism, but I think minimalism has to do with like I I think it's more simplicity, and I think there's a key nuance between minimalism oh, and okay. simplicity. I see what you're, no no I think I think, I think okay here's how I conceptualize things. I don't want to only have the things that I absolutely need. I think that is minimal. I think that that's minimalism. I mm, value yeah, simplicity, yeah. which is things that I have. I want them to work in a simple way where it's only what they absolutely need to function and nothing else. Okay, here's... So I, that's okay. how I conceptualize simplicity. Oh, and I see what you're getting at from verse... But then I think if you're truly a, a, min, a simplicist... <laughs> Simplicist. We just got to make a list of all the words we've coined on the show. <laughs> if you were a true simplicist, I'm going to assume that's a word right. for a little bit, right? You would not get a record player. You would get an MP3 player. Because all it does is play music and push buttons. Like, you push, like, buttons. There's no dropping the needle and then letting it go through and plugging it in. If you were truly a simplicist, you would be using an MP3 player. I don't think that's true, though. Because... I think if that anything, you an jump MP- through more hurdles playing that record than you do turning on your MP3 player. But, but at the it, same time, okay. See, here's here's what here here's my rebuke to that. I think that a lot of what I value about simplicity is the ability to understand what's going on in the background. I don't understand how a record player works, really. It's actually like quite simple. It, it, it's like, vibrations of a needle, right? Well, I got a belt-driven turntable, so the turntable spins, the, the needle lands on grooves that then produce sound somehow. Exactly! <laughs> exactly! <laughs> you just ruined your no, whole point! I understand how you the You don't product, know how that works. I understand. <laughs> under- it produces sound, pauses, somehow. It, the sound is produced. Like, no, but I understand how the record player then works. Then again, I guess right? I don't understand how an MP3 player works any more than understand how a record player works well, when it comes I think to the physics underst- sound production. I think you understand... You took physics this year, right? I did, <laughs> I took biology. But I, I think you understand more how a record player works than you do. And I think when you're listening to an MP3, you have to deal with, like, the screen, and you have to deal with, like, I guess, this, like, interface of technology, which I just want to throw out, like, in the garbage, and just have an experience where I take a physical object Put it on another physical object, and it makes music modern turntables have to plug into speakers. Checkmate! That digital interface. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> actually, these the only digital interface that I will have in my turntable setup is this light right here. That's it. <laughs> That's all I have. And I'm gonna get a tape, and I'm gonna cover up that light just because I don't want to have any. Yeah, but then you'll leave it on all day, and your energy bill. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Might want to actually have that, but I, I see what you're getting at. You want it to be clean. Yeah, I think that. See, thanks for Sharpie. You know, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like it's I not really minimalism. At. It's not really simplicity, but it's like a feeling of understanding what you're doing, and I think that that feeling of understanding what you're doing comes with products that are highly specialized. Like, a turntable cannot call my parents, but my phone can play music and call my parents and browse the internet <laughs> and go on Instagram, right? Exactly. But that's not what... You want the, something that suits its purpose. Right, and I want it to do it really well, and turntables just happen to play music really Except well. Except that... Very, they're making a comeback. Vinyl's making a comeback. Yeah. More and more artists are putting their stuff right. on vinyl now. And see... 
this touches on something my end of it. You were saying minimalism relative to like the appeal of classic things. Right. I have another end of that, and that'd be nostalgia. But here's the catch: you are not nostalgic for a record player because you are not at all alive when <laughs> record players were uh, mattered. And see, here's my end. Here's my end of what I, of what you're saying. Your your experience of the of this whole appeal of the classic things is, of course, the record player. Mine, being a gamer myself, proud gamer. And geek, not nerd. No, yes, I'm a nerd. Have we I been think, over this? Yeah, we've been over this. Yeah, nerd slash geek, right? Um, would be the appeal of retro video gaming. Right. One of my favorite subsets of video gaming. Yeah. And for for um like for example, Nintendo right released their NES Classic. NES yeah. being the Nintendo yeah. Entertainment right. System, their first flagship console yeah. in the United States, right? And anybody, I have one, by the way. Um, but <laughs> just, just no, a humble but, brag, no, right, right there. <laughs> I'm just saying that I understand it because I, or I, I, I have one, but um, that's beside the point. I yeah, guess. you you threw me off there, man. I guess I was on a thought. No, wait, wait. I want to finish this yeah. thought real quick. But here's the thing: my appeal to pl- retro video games is not nostalgia because I did not grow up playing retro video games. I grew up playing. Somewhat modern video games, so, right? So I don't. So then it's not really nostalgia, is it? No. Well, for adults, um, not even adults. Even like my older, like my oldest sister, who's twelve years older than me, age gap. I know. Yeah. yeah. But um, wait, how much older is your brother than you? Four years. Oh, oh, okay. That is very different. <laughs> Never mind. But well, well, oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah. but what I'm getting at is that like my oldest sister, even my younger of my two older sisters, would have some sort of nostalgia for kind of that old stuff if had they done it, right? But but I don't. So the question is, where is the appeal in these retro video games for me? Now I'd say maybe it's being part of the nostalgic group. But you're not really nostalgic, right? But I, exactly, I, I don't think exactly. I'm a poser. Yourself- because I don't but, think... <laughs> actually, that's, that's not what it is. Because I, I, I don't Wait, think... Can we, can we pause this real quick, actually? <laughs> I'm going to take a quick break. <laughs> We're, back. We're back, everybody. We're back. That was... um. Sorry, I got distracted by something that I really didn't want to add into the podcast because it had nothing to do with anything. And I'm talking nothing to do with anything by the standards of what our conversations usually have to do with. <laughs> Um, you we were on the idea of like me not being part of. Um, I think the I, nostalgic group. I think I know why because Go ahead. I think you also have this desire for highly specialized things. Like I think the NES plays eight bit games and that's all that it does. But I think that consoles today yeah, are Nintendo moving... Switch plays Switch games and that's all it does. Too. Not really. I think that as soon as you put uh, like, I a screen, like it's just like I, I, for some reason, as right, soon as you the, put a screen on a device, I was going to say the Wii U, then I remember that a screen too. Right, the Nintendo Wii. I think the Wii's. I I enjoy the Wii because I guess I. The, I don't even know if I enjoy gaming consoles that much because. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> nah, I don't know. I just feel like increasingly I'm feeling this, but whenever there's a screen. It seems like there's a barrier between me and the product, whatever it is. What? And that screen is kind of... It, what it, the For heck? some reason... It, no, it dude. So is there a barrier between you and whatever's on the end of that com- like computer we're watching? Is there yeah. a barrier between... 
you can't avoid that unless you got like hologram business, which I'm sure. But that's why the army. But but that's why I enjoy the vinyl player, right? Because if I plug my phone into my speaker system, the audio quality would be a little bit worse, but it would practically be the same as my vinyl player. The difference is that on my phone, there's. I'm not really sure how to explain it, but I it's guess okay. it's okay. I guess what I'm saying is that on my phone, when I when I press press the song name on Spotify and the music comes out, I have no real idea how that works. But when I take a vinyl and put it on a you player, have a slightly greater and, idea. And put the needle on, I am like, I put this music. The needle touches the platter, and that the somehow platter. creates sound. And I like There's... that. And I'm gonna keep going with that. I think that there is some. Listen, appeal. I don't even understand. How people figured out half the stuff we take for granted today. All right, like, all right. So you put this record here, and then the, the vibratometron vibrates the needle, and then it sends the vibrations up into an interpolator. And then you're like, how did somebody figure this out, man? I'm I feel like the genius. I feel like world. I feel like there's a really simple explanation for how vi- and like. People are gonna listen to this podcast and you're gonna be like, what a, what a what a bunch of idiots! Like, I know. So whenever you watch a YouTube like, video, duh. And it's whenever just like you watch a YouTube cruise. video and they're like, and then like do something obvious that you see and everyone else sees in the comments, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, yeah. And we need so many more subscribers. Know, but you, you you don't feel that like if there's a screen, there's a disconnect between you and the product. Like, how are we gonna have the product any other way? When you watch a movie... Through a record player without a screen, right? I can't use a record player to play Mario Bros! What are you talking about? <laughs> I feel like there's something just, like, highly manufactured about it. Oh, like, man, you just, blew, you just hurt my head trying to think of what to play. <laughs> use a record player to play You're like, move... No, stop! You can play the video game soundtrack and imagine that you're playing the video game. <laughs> This is what I do with my life. That's just my whole existence. Listening to video game soundtracks and imagining I'm playing the video game. No, I'm just kidding. I've actually started listening to video game soundtracks. I know! Video game soundtracks are the best! Thank you! I think... Especially, video game soundtracks think, are incredible. I think especially when you're doing... When you're working... Yeah. Actually, I haven't been listening to that many video game soundtracks, but I have been listening to Pixar movie soundtracks. What? Not... Not... No, but, but they're not the ones with, like, lyrics. They're just, like, classical... It's classical music that plays in the background of Pixar movies. I will say, though. Oh, okay. So, like... On, on the note... Oh, go ahead, yeah. and then I have something. I guess what I enjoy about that is that there's, like, a sense of emotion conveyed, but it's yeah, conveyed I mean, without lyrics. So, like, I'm energized when I do my work, but I'm not like distracted video. by... Kind of like, like video games. Yeah, right. the same idea there. Right. Uh, but, you know, on the note of Pixar movies, Toy Story is the best Pixar movie. Okay, I'm going to have to disagree with you oh, there. Great. I think the greatest Pixar movie of all time is... The Incredibles. Oh, I think that okay. Here's please. here's nah. my rationale. I can lay it out. For I you like right The now. Incredibles. I like it. It's a good movie. But Toy Story. Hey, blame it on the nostalgia. That was a, a good part of my childhood. Okay, Toy Story. Here's, when it comes to like Pixar. Here's why I like The Incredibles. Go ahead. Right. Usually you will like the sequel upcoming. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be the guy in the theater who watches it among the sea of like five year olds, but I'll be there. That is okay. I that guess is perfectly fine. I guess what I'm trying to say is that. Uh, when you're watching a movie, there's a hero usually, and the hero follows a hero's journey, and then you have your antagonist. I do love hero's journey. There's a whole class on that. And, and then you, and then you have your antagonist, right? Of course. Um, and I guess the way that movies were structured at the beginning is that the hero was impenetrable the entire time, and the antagonist was this vilified person. And I think well, that of course, and that's seeing, a seeing, particularly seeing, polarized. Seeing movies like that 
is it's fun it's enjoyable because there's someone who you believe in the entire movie it's I easy. think I think where movies start to get interesting is when the hero obviously has significant character flaws and I think that that's where movie or filmmaking went for a period of time where we start to where we saw movies where the protagonist wasn't a clear protagonist right where they had clear flaws but the reason that I like the incredible so much was twofold first because it went farther than what filmmakers were doing at that time where it wasn't just the protagonist has flaws but also let's hey empathize with the, the antagonist. antagonist because if you remember I didn't the an- that much with syndrome at all I empathized with him at the beginning because he wanted to be part of his fan but club it's so, it's and he got so... kicked but he was just a kid who liked the superhero and yes he was an overbearing annoying kid but at the same time there was this almost sense of innocence to him and I, you empathize and at the but same I find it, it very very because you know difficult I think difficult to empathize with him personally why I, I guess the second your average kid doesn't run off and become a super villain because their idol doesn't notice them. But I guess isn't that kind of like a moral to be extracted from the movie that like if things don't work out with someone that's not like a reason to turn on them and be like the worst person in the world. I did not extrapolate that at all, but that does work. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I, don't know. I think that just... I, I think that all of these nuances of filmmaking when you bring it to an audience of kids. That's what I appreciate. When adults take the time and energy to make content that is good content, that is enjoyable content, that is content that pushes the boundaries of film, but they make it for kids. Because I think there's not enough of that content. Good content for kids. Of course, because they think kids won't care how revolutionary this movie is. Is what you're saying. Because it's very hard. It's hard for a kid to overanalyze a movie and like pick at all of its good parts, right? And you feel like most of the quality filmmaking is reserved for those that understand it, if you will. I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, I have a lot of, like, younger cousins, and, like, when I go over and I see, like, how they spend most of their time, they're obviously on YouTube, which is how, I guess, most of my generation spends their time nowadays. Oh, but 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 me on the other hand. But the videos... <laughs> but the videos that they watch on YouTube, and I and I don't mean to be condescending because I watch dumb stuff all the time. Like you don't Same. understand no, no, how much too. dumb stuff I Listen, watch. Uh, you know how much productivity of mine is <laughs> on dank memes, but and I, I, I'm, other very unfortunate things. But I'm just saying, like, you know, the the content that they're watching. Is like I, I saw my cousin watching. You know the Spider Man and Elsa videos. No, I saw oh, my. Worries. I saw my cousin. Wait, what is this? What is okay, that? I saw my cousin watching one of those. Essentially, how they work is that there is one person who dresses up like Spider Man. Oh no! One person dresses up like Elsa right. from the movie Frozen. I right, and then right, they right. run around the house doing these like very okay. What is weird the age? Things. What is the age of these producers? But they're obviously targeted towards. Like younger kids, like three fine. to five. Wait, but what is the age of the people making it? Oh, these are like it's creepy, man. They're like thirty-year-old <laughs> people who are like loaded, and they make so much money just off these these videos for you kids. You know that there's this kid. You never heard of Ryan Torres Review? No. And I know this kid because I read an article. Yeah. He has made eleven million dollars. Yeah. He's a five-year-old. <laughs> he opens toys and plays with them on YouTube. Yeah. He That's makes kind of money. Ridiculous. I guess what, and I think that is awesome that yeah, he and, can do that. That entrepreneurial, but it is where the American dream goes to die. YouTube, I, I think, it's where the American dream goes to die. I, I guess what 
I was trying to say with like the entirety is that like I learned a lot from watching Pixar movies as a kid from watching um like Sesame Street. I think that those shows. I'll be honest. The, the only reason I remember Ventral versus Dorsal is because I watched Star Wars. Right. I think that Sam. I think that content targeted towards kids. The quality of that has gone down significantly because I think that networks still had a soul. When they were making content tailored towards kids, when Mister when, when when Mister Rogers was like creating like his TV show, there was PBS. still right. Yo, PBS, I love PBS. PBS. Shout out to PBS. Dude. We all love PBS. Shout out to PBS. We all PBS love. Is where we love PBS. Niihau Kailan. We love PBS. We used to watch that. Did you used to watch Niihau Kailan? I think I've watched a couple episodes. Of course you have. Everybody. That's why everyone knows what Niihau means. Also, wasn't Curious George on PBS too? Most likely. Love what Curious. other channel we would love, take Curious George? We love Curious George. We love NPR. And then we also love NPR. <laughs> <laughs> NPR is not my cup of tea. Okay. I think that I know you told me this podcast you told is me over. You, you told me your school makes fun of NPR. I, I think that I personally love NPR. It's like, hello, everybody. This well, is wait, NPR. I'm, 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 I'm genuinely interested. What do you have against NPR? Uh, and you can. This isn't. This, this brings me into another deep reflection that I don't want to get into right now because I feel like it would bring us completely off course, which is kind of the point of the podcast. But you've, you've had me thinking about the. Wait, 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 hold up one second. Influence. What are you doing? Are you going to pause this? No! Yeah. What? Oh, sorry, that was feedback. So oh, come ahead. on. All right, we were just checking the recording. We thought there may have been an error with it. It's it's all fine. Um. Okay, so NPR. Why I don't like NPR. I feel like NPR, when you think of national public radio, when you think of those words, you think of something that's very much neutral, very much unbiased, but a lot of times NPR can kind of get a little bit biased, for better or for worse, you know? I feel like. Yeah. I feel like... Is there any source that is not biased, though? Because I think that... Well, okay. Actually, I have this very, very interesting... I I guess step back. Define define what it means to be biased. What it means to be biased is to... In your programming... Here, I want to show you this diagram, but I'll explain that. In your programming, to uh, use language or out-and-out reporting, like... To use your language and resources to subconsciously or obviously support one side of an argument in your coverage. Isn't that the point? No. Of, like, opinion pieces, though? No, but they're not opinion pieces. I mean... I here. feel like there is reporting that is purely factual, right? Like, I can go on and I can say the Dow was down three points today. Exactly. Were... Uh, news outlet bias chart. This is what I was looking at. Here. Um, if you were to believe this chart, which is a little bit, I don't find this completely accurate. It measures on, on the x-axis, the middle is no partisan bias, to the left and right is to the left and right, respectively. And up and, and then on the y-axis, it's quality on the top and then not quality on the bottom. So it measures on the scale of quality versus bias, right? And interestingly, usually the most biased, therefore have the least quality. Right. But once you hit the middle, you kind of get this skew of what's biased, what's not. See, if you were to look at this chart, and I don't know who it's made by, I guess it's, I saw this from a website called Market Watch, apparently. Just want to, you know, cite our sources a little bit here, right? And it says, that's five, no, not five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven spheres of influence that are bad news, good news, great news, bias left news, but it's still okay, bias right news, but it's still okay, and never touch either of these. Yeah. Right, and according to this, CNN, 
while it's neutral, put it more towards the left and higher up to its credit. I would say it's more left skewed. I mean, come on. While NPR is skewed slightly left on this, but it's also considered street journal. While it falls a little bit to the right, it's considered the no, no, the Economist. While it's right, it is still considered quality news, as is the Atlantic on the I left. I guess right. Here's I don't I don't like Vox very much, by the way. Not Vox. I'm the biggest Vox fan. I love Vox. No, Vox is bad. Do you do you watch their videos or do you actually? No, I read their articles. And what do you not like about Vox? I find, and I we got into this in another episode. The the headlines that different company that not different companies different outlets run. I actually think that Vox is I like think Vox's headlines dude, are what, far too minimal. What, what are you talking about, Vox? They're like the opioid crisis explained, and that'll be their headline, and that's a beautiful thing. But I, I can don't go. Really do want to understand that's the not opioid my crisis? I am going to do this article. <laughs> but see, also, like I said, I feel like some of them, some, and I, I just don't like. I don't like the more shorthanded ones personally. Then again, what do you mean? Then you get. I say shorthanded, like short. Short in okay, short I, I guess, titles, but that's just my preference. I guess here's my issue with, I guess <laughs> you calling out NPR for for um, I guess being biased. It's a li- I'm not saying I guess, it's wildly biased. I I'm guess, saying it skews a bit. I guess what I okay, I think first of all, in the context of NPR, NPR is obviously a publicly funded. Thing. And that's my issue. And they're... people think it's not biased, even though it shows a bit of bias. Okay, but what does it mean to be biased? Like I, I think that you say that it it's, presents it's being. I'd say that there I, are I, I occasions. Think that, I think that you're saying that they're leaning towards a particular side. First, it's run by humans with feelings and emotions to not be subconsciously biased towards any side. I'm biased, and I think it's extremely difficult, if not impossible, to have a news outlet that is somehow I'm just can you get? My, yeah, my but, thought is. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. Go sorry, I, I just wanted to say that there's factual reporting and, and then there's, reporting. there's opinion reporting. I think that NPR Don't. makes it very... factual reporting, they tell you what the facts are, and then at the end of the segment... They bring in have, like somebody to... But they'll bring in experts from both sides of the aisle to have a discussion on the issue. And I think that that eliminates a lot of the bias that was already there because NPR itself right. is not right. really the one endorsing I'm certain not, opinion pieces yeah. but they bring on experts in each field that are reputable I'll give you this in order right. to I am not I'm kind of speaking a little bit from something I don't watch I don't watch NPR all the time yeah this is just from my limited scope of it I was kind of debating with you about it right yeah it seems from what you presented to me that I need to take a second look at NPR yeah. and kind of re-examine them. And I will do that, and yeah. I appreciate your input, yeah. and I believe that I, I may not have yeah. had the purest look at them at first. Now, how about we look I at this graph towards some of the um, garbage ends. Oh, um, InfoWars. <laughs> in like the horrible <laughs> way. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I mean... He is so... <laughs> All of these are so bad. I mean, I haven't even read the. I read um a lot of the, just just, I mean either accidentally or on purpose. Ironically, I've read a lot of these. I think you can't. I think you can't call um like Breitbart or Infowars like journalism. It's literally just conspiracy theories. (laughs) Or even anything on the left. I think those are just. I think that see as this graph, I. Uh, absolutely encourage everyone to look up news outlet bias chart. See, I, I, I don't think I agree with this chart. Like, I don't think... Really? I, uh, you don't like it? I don't agree with it entirely. I would skew some things. But see, look, I, I, I think that the solution to your problem, because the issue that you take over here is I enjoy that reporting. I kind of got two answers for you. 
The no, first I'm not is, saying that you I, enjoy I, it because it's biased at all. I guess that you don't enjoy it because it's biased or anything that... I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's important to understand the views of the other side of the aisle. So even if it is biased, if you think about it that way, it's still important. And that's why important. you watch CNN and Fox News sometimes, right? <laughs> then you get a view of both ends of it. See, but I would recommend, like, let's see, like, I read The Economist, Vox, and The New York Times. And, and I see, to from NPR. the looks of it, if you're looking at this diagram, you fall very much towards the center of the graph, and that's good. You're not reading alt-right, alt-left conspiracy garbage, I, I, which I is always say, good. I do have to say, I don't think that The Economist is that conservative. Really? Because okay. I would say that the economists, like, I think they label themselves as, like, fiscally conservative, but socially liberal. See, but the thing is, once, I think, feel like a lot of people mix up fiscal conservative, will kind of assume that certain, um, monetary, that certain, like, um, that publications regarding, like, money. I guess, I guess. In, in that context, not in a lot of yeah. other contexts. Money is definitely yeah. not an equalizer in a lot of contexts. <laughs> I guess what I was trying to say about, like, news outlets is that. It's, I think I think we've already been over this on another show though. I, don't know. I think well, it's it's hard to find a news. Of outlet. course, yes. D- but I but, it, but I think that we have that. great news outlets that already exist. You just have to seek them out, right? Consciously, and you have to make sure that you acknowledge sometimes that some of them will be a little biased. And you just have to, as long as you keep that in mind, you're safe. As long as you're not falling hmm. for the idea, as long as you I think, are not I think, watching. I think if you come in as a third party observer and intake news that way and as opposed to I subscribe to this news outlet and I agree with all of their views because obviously I don't agree with everything they say on the New York Times and opinion pieces I don't agree with everything they say on NPR but I think that coming in as like a third party observer is just subjectively the best way to, to get news yeah and but the thing is the best way I just I, I know it's not possible the more I've thought about it uh, across the, I say this last year for the most part the more I realize it's not possible but if there was a news outlet that literally just slammed facts on a table yeah which would be very difficult believe you know when you think about isn't it isn't that what NPR does like I said I am not overwhelmingly familiar with their message. I guess so you're saying that your optimal news outlet is one that says Today in Florida, there was a hurricane, 30 people passed away, 10 people are injured, these roads are closed, done. And that's your story. Sure, it's boring, but there is no bias there at all. I feel like bias is inevitable once you like try to do actual reporting. See, I, I would agree with you from that perspective. That's why I've said the more I thought about it, the less realistic it becomes, right? Yeah. Okay, we've already talked about the subject. Let's go back to Pixar. Because I'm going to debate with you. Toy think, Story is amazing. Give me your reasons. Why I, I, I laid out for you why I love The Incredible. First story. of all, Toy Story is very nostalgic for me. And I will acknowledge that. I'll put that out on the table. That it was one of my favorite series since I was a young lad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like Toy that, Story yeah. has two rides in Disneyland. You have none so far. <laughs> yes, they're adding The Incredicoaster. But that is well, later. Uh, you're adding God. a whole Toy Story land. Well, I they have one like... little coaster of all right, hello everyone. Is it still giving feedback? Okay. Yeah, I just put it up. Uh, we um, just had a whole host of issues. First of all, we went and ate chocolate pancakes. That were quite delicious. Quite delicious chocolate pancakes, I must say. However, uh, we also had a complete mic failure where it started recognizing the computer's mic 
and it had horrible quality, so we had to cut out a bit of a segment where we were debating about Pixar movies. So we'll just wrap that up real quick, kind of give a synopsis of what we went over. Toy Story, clearly superior. It had a better score. It was more nostalgic. It has four movies. Well, well it will have four movies. Well, Incredible doesn't even have two yet. Um, you were saying that you wanted... Uh, like what, like dynamic characters or something? I was like... saying that you know it's a great movie when you empathize with a person that is doing some morally repugnant thing. There's that word again, morally repugnant. I think morally repugnant is just it's such a beautiful term. It's, it's just beautiful... so so encompassing as a term. I do suppose. Do you think the mic is actually working right now? I I really hope so. Yeah, you know what? YOLO. Let's just go. Ooh, yeah. That's an old phrase. Darn my social ignorance. You can't use a phrase older than a few well, months. What, like, what's the shelf life of a phrase? It depends on the phrase. Kind of like food. If someone say, what was the shelf life of food? It's like, kind of depends on the food, man. Canned food. Like, that just like, probably literally lasts so, forever. So what is the canned food of slang phrases? Yo. No, I'm just kidding. I guess yo. Yo, yo is a pretty... I guess I, that's my that's my uh, characteristic intro. I guess like yo, yo lol. No, lol was yeah yeah lol was a pretty long self life. It's like oh, well, mayo. No 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 <laughs> no no. Those ones you just said aren't like canned food. They're more like vinegar, and that it says it expires, and technically it should expire, but it never does. <laughs> that, I guess what no, is... but canned food is artificially preserved. Honey, well, I guess linguistics is like honey. It literally can never go bad can only change. Wow. That was mind-blowing. That was... <laughs> really? My entire life has changed. <laughs> that was... Canned wow. food is phrases we preserve. I guess. Boom. Oh. Check That's me. a very interesting way to think about it. Wait, then what is the honey and what is the canned food of linguistics? The honey... Honey is language itself. It will not stay the same forever. But it will always be good forever. I guess. So, like, the word, duh. Is the is the of... honey of language. The. Those basic words, they will never change. They can harden after a while. Crystallize. In that they're not used frequently. But they will always exist. They'll always be applicable in a way. Then what is the what is the canned food? Canned, canned food is a term that should not last forever. <laughs> like, lol. It should not last forever. But it will last a lot longer than you expect it to. But canned food is like the, the, I guess canned food is, but is it, is it like the slang phrase that's popular for a little bit and then goes away? Or is it like a slang no, phrase that stays? It's a slang phrase that stays longer than you expect it to. Then who expects it to? The, the general popular. Because I feel like if we're trying to define words by... Trying to put words in a box. Right. Or in a can. There needs to be... There needs to wait, be... Wait, 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 get the bell! Get the bell! <laughs> there needs to be... <laughs> you did it! You did it! Yeah! Ten minutes before the episode. <laughs> we have one button. That's pretty jarring. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> we set up this entire episode just for that one pun about cans. It wasn't even that great. Did you get it? I said it's pretty jarring. <laughs> oh! <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, there we go. I had to get that one in. Oh, God. You were trying to compare it. Like, you know, I, 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 we should rename this Camp Bell. <laughs> what? what? Like Campbell Soup. <laughs> 
Can I do another time? The second reaction. Okay, that was that that one was pretty good. The last one, that was on a next level. No, it wasn't. Okay, okay. We're trying to compare. Out of nowhere, we started comparing linguistics to various foods. Well, like, for example, fire. In the context. I'm so. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that, it was like academic in nature. For example, fire. <laughs> Go on without me. I'm dead. Uh, wait, well, let me get my. Phone. I guess. So, <laughs> I like the word lit. For example, that is like a vegetable. It sounds like a lot of noise. On it's really great. Like it's like fruits and vegetables. It's really fresh and nice when you use it. When it's fresh. Once it's not fresh, you eat it and you vomit. And everyone else vomits when you say the word lit. So I guess what is the... Linguistics is honey. Because it's always constant. Wait, what is, Generalized what linguistics. Is, what is the fresh fruit of linguistics? Lit. Fire. Dope. Those words. They may come back in season eventually. But they're like produce. They only stay for a little bit and then they rot. And once they rot, you don't want nothing to do with them. Huh. We need but, to make this. We need to do a whole spin-off episode but based on I, I've, I've always comparing cons- linguistics to food. <laughs> but I don't know. I've, I've always conceptualized... comparing linguistics to food and overthinker story. I've always conceptualized produce as something undesirable that is like a necessary part of your life. Like if I could never eat vegetables. No, for the I'm rest talking of my about life. in terms of shelf life, though. We have to look at it from the perspective of shelf life. But produce I feel like is not the- undesirable fruits are very much not undesirable. Vegetables, I'll give you that, but fruits, absolutely, very much desirable. If you're wondering what that sound is, I'm playing with small bubble wrap packets. I so. feel like every episode there's like a sound. Like the first episode, I was playing around with the phone case, and that made sounds of recording. Then like the next episode, we're eating like popcorn. Oh yeah, it was sponsored <laughs> by popcorn fundraiser popcorn or whatever. And then uh, and then this episode is just <laughs> playing with the packets. No, no, you said my name again. Oh, you failure. Oh my god. Darn, that was harsh. I apologize. I can't believe I've done it. You've done it again. I do it post-production. I do it like once every episode. The best part is that it's (laughs) undoubtable that everybody watching this knows my name already. But we're going to just censor it anyways. (laughs) Come on, man. Well... I feel like I need Just some... write down the time at least of I, I recording. Need some, I need, 53. I need, write it down. 53 minutes. I need a descriptor like that that, that I can call you. My by. homie. <laughs> okay, that's I'm like... kidding. That's a produce. No, that's not produce. That's like homie? leftovers. Wait, so what is leftovers when it comes to linguistics? Hmm. Oh, leftovers is the, is the words that you use like in the past. Like those words that used to be popular and then have a resurgence. Oh, right. Right, like, um... There we go. Or words that were... Uh, I don't know if they have had a resurgence. or just words that were popular but are no longer popular. No, because leftovers are still desirable. In fact, sometimes, like pasta sauce, it gets better <laughs> as it matures. I feel like reheated pizza is, like, one of the most beautiful inventions. It's very nice, it's very nice. Yeah. Exactly. But leftovers are words that become desirable, again, past their prime. Right. Like, yo, in a way. It's like leftovers. I don't think yo did. was like back then, like in the eighties, you know. Yo, yeah, it's an eighties thing. Or like words that are that are popular for a period of time, but then come back and are popular later. 
because of some event that happened. Yeah, I would like, agree. Uh, so let me get this straight: produce can become leftovers, though. Hmm. No, it can't. No, no, it doesn't have to flow exactly. Well, everything can become a leftover. Actually, no. But, no, no, no not produce... like can, canned soup. Like no, no. Okay, okay, okay. Exactly, canned soup. Oh, but canned soup and leftovers kind of in the context of our linguistic code, if you will. No, okay, okay. Let's let's solidify this. Honey is the basics. Right. It never goes bad. It can harden a little bit, but let's, it can never go bad. It'll always return to its previous state. Let's solidify our language. Okay? okay. Produce is a word that is popular, but once it's not popular, using it is a negative thing. Wait, wait can you elaborate on that? For example, episode we don't want to remember that. We don't want to remember last episode, right? It's about yeah. memes and yeah, how yeah, yeah, yeah. if you use a meme right. past its prime, right. it counts against you and not for right. you credit, right. if you will. Right. Yeah. Same idea. Left uh, produce. Is words that are very great, but if you use them past once they're popular, it kind of shows that you're behind. Like what? Like give me an example. Like of a word. I, I dope like a really... is kind of one of those words that like. But I feel like dope is a leftover because making a resurgence. All right, it can be a leftover and produce though, because it starts as a produce and then becomes a leftover. I know it's a weird correlation. It's a leftover that's classified. No, 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 because leftover means that it's made a comeback, but it can be go through a produce leftover cycle multiple times. It's produce until it becomes a leftover, and then it becomes produce again. How does it become pro? I, 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 I don't. I don't understand <laughs> in this metaphorical world that we're constructing. How do you go from being leftovers back to being produce? No, so produce. Like, I, I, produce I, is, is is a word. Let me kind of draw a timeline for you. Do you have a piece of paper I can write on here? <laughs> Wait, just, no, no, no. no. Just, I need. I need paper. I need to explain this in its glorious. Like, in my quest for minimalism, there is You no got more. rid of paper? Yeah. I no! have a Okay, here's tape. Here's some gorilla tape. Not sponsored. Alright, I'm gonna write on this. Okay, you can take a pen. Yeah, here's a pen. There are playing cards. I'll write on those. <laughs> no. Okay. Um pen? Do you have a book you hate or something? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Here. Oh here. Perfect. Your seat, I guess. Here you go. So, if you look at the timeline of existence and the never ending um, infinity that time <laughs> provides, an example fire. Yeah, <laughs> let's look at like the um, like, let's look at the word like. So, I guess what you're drawing here is what I'm saying. Let's let's take word A, just word A, right? Just any a variable word, right? At this point in time, it is produce. It is produce okay. so, for I, this period of time from here to here. Okay, so I guess... And if you were to further... Here, here. Yeah. And if you were to further break down this period, right? Yeah. It's... It, it is good, 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 bad. Okay, so I you, guess... You see what I'm saying? I guess what we're seeing here is we're seeing... Then the be- it is... The, the beginning of the timeline is classified as produce. Then if you take that section called produce... The first part of it is good. The second part of it, it becomes bad. Yes, and then you kind of have this blank space that's kind of just exists, right? At that point, it could be produced. Could you don't care about it? Anymore, yeah, right. Well, the, but the, then the, you get the on to zone, yeah. the next time. What? Okay. Then you get word A makes its resurgence. At that point, it's leftovers. It is leftovers because it has made a comeback. At this point, it is in its leftovers. It is leftovers, but if it becomes if okay, it's leftovers. If at this point, or this point, at any point in the produce cycle, yeah, it becomes produce if it goes bad. It becomes canned food if it never goes away from that point forward. Right. Boom. Boom. Nailed it. I, think I nailed it. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> the greatest accomplishment of our podcast so far is creating a metaphorical world for foods for, being for, linguistics. For linguistics in the context of food. That was quite beautiful. Absolutely. I think that we can end it on a high note. And we went through like five different things, but I think that our biggest accomplishments today were political bias. Yeah. And canned food metaphors. <laughs> I think that we can call today Both a success. We right. bounced back yeah. from our technical failures, our chocolate chip pancakes, yeah. and our many cuts. We have come back. We are a phoenix. Yeah. Tip of the we day. Are, Tip of the day. We are the leftovers. You gotta try everything back. <laughs> no. From okay, fine. But tip of the day. Tip of the day. You go first. My, my tip of the day. Tip of the day. Uh, if you can, get yourself a record player. Okay, that's kind of a really expensive. Like it's tip actually of the day. it's not that expensive if you get them used. I would say there is something surreal about actually holding a record in your hand. Like, the packaging that comes with it, the album art, you just appreciate everything about it more. And I'm not saying it only in the specific context of record players. I think I mean it in a much broader context of things that are very, very good at what they do. Don't try to find a ton of functionality in a product. Just try to find a product that does a couple things very well, because I think those are the products that we tend to enjoy the most. So, that's Oh, I actually my tip of the day is not sponsored, I promise, but... Read the book. Don't bring it on an airplane because you might get stopped like my friend here by TSA <laughs> thinking that he's a criminal. When to Rob a Bank by Stephen Levitt and Stephen Dubner. Yeah. All right. And it's not sponsored. It's just a book my good friend here has loaned me. Don't bring it on a plane because the plane thought he was actually attempting to rob a bank. It has nothing to do with <laughs> robbing a bank. It actually tells you in there, spoiler alert, you shouldn't ever rob a bank, but it's this lovely um, well, I think collection. The, the conclusion that they come to is that like robbing a bank is actually quite economically efficient. It's economically n- no inefficient because it's not a um, oh right right it's not a it's not a long term proposition right, right right so no go ahead you'll get more information in the book it is a bunch I believe they call it 170 well intentioned rants and yeah. what it is is kind of like our podcast right. what it is, is <laughs> what it is is a collection of uh, blogs that they. they this duo and some other guest kind of writers did and analyzing everything and anything they talk about all kinds of stuff it's a great book and check out some of the other books if you like it and I think that is it we are we usually end our podcast we don't have an outro last time we had an outro didn't we um I think we keep on thinking everybody hello welcome to the podcast (laughs) oh no we have feedback (laughs) I'm gonna start that over again hello no we're not starting over this is the intro now this is the intro (laughs) Hello. No, this is so bad. Hello. We'll put this at the end or something.